Well, happy Monday, friends, and welcome to a new week and to December the 13th. It's Monday, and we are just, uh, what, 12 days away from Christmas, and I hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Monday. I have a hard time getting my brain in gear on Monday. I feel always on Monday mornings like I got hit by a Mack truck. I spend a good part of Monday morning wishing I had said something different on Sunday morning. Nonetheless, I want to point you to yesterday's message if you didn't hear it yet. We studied the Christmas oracles. We looked at Isaiah 11, and we studied the perfect king, Jesus, and all that Isaiah tells us about him. And I, uh, I could have said it better, but I will tell you this. You can build your life on the promises of God in Isaiah 11, and it will strengthen you. It will help you. It will give your soul the needed rest that your soul needs. And if you didn't get to catch it, it'll be live tonight at 7 o'clock on Monday Night Rewind. We will continue the Christmas Oracle series this coming Sunday, Jesus Our Mercy. So we've seen Jesus Our Light, yesterday Jesus Our Rest, this coming Sunday Jesus Our Mercy. I can't wait to uh, dig into things that God is already directing my heart in, even as I was waking up this morning. Well, I want to encourage your week this week, and this uh, week we're continuing Psalm 132, looking at the Messianic Psalm, the promises of Jesus. And so I want to invite you there right now, Psalm 132. And just to tell you, you know, how, how brutal Monday mornings are, this is my third take. This is the third time I've gone through this devotion. The first one didn't record right. The second one, I forgot to press the right button. So this is round three, and I think my microphone is on, and I think we're recording. Um, so I'm going to dive in. Let's read this psalm together to get the context, and I want to make a few comments to encourage you and equip you and then send you into your week. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob, Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. David vowed a commitment to build or develop or, or assign a place of worship for God. What a powerful thought. And by the way, anytime we make a promise or a commitment to God, we're not doing it to earn something from God. We're doing it in a gospel sense and in a grace sense. We're doing it in responsive love. If you think you can get something from God by making a vow to him, you don't understand gospel theology, okay? Gospel theology is God has given you all of his love and all of his grace up front, okay? And you receive it by faith and grace and mercy. And then whatever you do in response is response. It's nothing more than a response. It is I love you too. And that's what David is doing. He's given God his rightful place because of all of God's grace and love that he's experienced. Now the people respond, Lo, we heard of it at Ephrata, that's Bethlehem. We found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. So the people are celebrating probably a public moment of the arrival of the ark of the covenant, either at the tabernacle or the temple that Solomon built there in Jerusalem. <clears throat> They continue in verse 9, Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness. Let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Verses 1 through 10 really are the people gathering publicly to remember David's commitment to build the tabernacle or to assign the place of the tabernacle and eventually the temple, and then to publicly worship. And they're shouting and they're celebrating and they're recounting God's promise to him. We pick it up in verse 
11. The Lord has sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony, that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. That's the new covenant, by the way. That's the covenant of gospel grace. It's the blood of the everlasting covenant made possible by Jesus. How else would you and I ever expect to be called children of God? How else would we ever expect to sit in his throne with him, to rule and reign with him, were it not for grace? That's the covenant that he's talking about. And now he's going to profile the perfect millennial kingdom and how he will rule, how he will govern. He says, uh, the Lord hath chosen Zion. This is verse 13. The Lord hath chosen Zion, for he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation. Her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I've ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. Let's go back to verse 13 and 14. Let me just share a few thoughts with you before we go. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. Now, Zion is a hill in Jerusalem. It's come to represent metaphorically and, and figuratively throughout Scripture not only Jerusalem as a capital city, but also the people of Israel. And God is saying very specifically, there will come a day where he will plant himself as the king of all the earth and all the universe in Zion, in Jerusalem. It will be the new capital city of all of time and space. All of, there won't be time, all of eternity. It'll be a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, we'll live in perfect bodies and Jesus will rule and reign as the king in this throne in Zion forever. And I love where he says, he hath desired it for his habitation. You know, personally, there are two, there are two personal applications here. The first in these two verses is that, that God says, I want to build a new creation and I want to be with you in that new creation. I desire. When, when we read that God is desiring, verse 14 also says, I have desired it. He's desiring to live in a city on planet Earth, to rule in that city. And he says in Isaiah, we saw it yesterday, for all the people of the earth to come and go to and from that city and that he will teach us his ways and we will know him fully and live under his reign and his love and his grace. Um, that is a, an astounding promise. And it is true in a sense right now today. How? Because the spirit of God lives in me and though we haven't seen the consummated kingdom, we experience the kingdom up close because we are part of his kingdom. And he is today my king. And so he dwells with me today and he desires me today. He desires to walk with me today. But he promises, he promises that there will be a rest for him permanently, forever, and for you and me permanently. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell for I have desired it. No wonder Jerusalem is the single place, the single point of greatest war and contention and political turmoil throughout all the centuries on planet Earth. No single point on the planet has experienced more unrest. What does that show you? It shows you that there is a cosmic spiritual battle unfolding all around us. Now, I want to put two takeaways in your, in your week, okay? The first is 
that God promises a rest, an eternal rest. And right now we experience bits and pieces of rest. We experience soul rest, a real peace in our hearts with God. We experience periodic rest in our lives, but generally we are journeying through a spiritual battle. We are running a race. We are fighting a war. Uh, we are engaging a conflict. We are fulfilling a mission. We are shining as lights. We are holding up and magnifying Christ. In other words, this is not the place of our ultimate final rest, and we're not to be laboring for our rest right now. No, we're to be bearing up our purpose and fulfilling our mission, our assignment in the cosmic battle and the unfolding story of the ages. So today, my friend, your life matters, okay? You have a king who promises victory. He's already won phase one of it, the, the larger part of it. He's defeated death, but one day he's going to consummate that kingdom. And until he comes back, you're to occupy. We're to engage in purpose, living out of victory, um, and living out of great confidence that our king is with us and guiding us and blessing and using us today. But secondly, and, and as we're living out that purpose today, we live out that purpose under the directives of our ruling King Jesus. He's not only ruling the universe, he's ruling our lives. He's ruling my heart, or he desires to. And I can work against that today, or I can work with that today. And so here's the statement I want to give you. Jesus is my king, and he's going to handle my life well today. And I intend to follow him and cooperate and trust his unfolding providence in my life. Jesus is my king, and he's going to handle my life well today. And I intend to cooperate with him, to follow him, and to trust his unfolding providence in my life. Now, I don't know where this statement finds you right now or what circumstances you're bearing up against. You might be trying to get out of them. You might be wondering what mistake God made that unfolded these circumstances. You may feel forgotten, but my friend, you are not forgotten, okay? Your circumstances are unfolding in the providence of your king under his sovereign directive hand or directing hand. I'm not going to get into the weeds of the complex theology of whether he caused it or permitted it. That's, that's not even relevant. The fact is he is sovereign over whatever your circumstances. And until he lifts you out of them, he is leading you through them. So trust your king today. Know that what he's given you is not simply a burden he's given you an assignment it's a mission it's a purpose and he's going to bring great good out of it and he's going to get great glory from it and from your life so go with your king today and know that he's handling your life well we'll see you tomorrow